Hi, and welcome today to the Salt Church's podcast. So glad you decided to tune in today. We're going to talk about the Jesus revolution, not so much just what's happening today, but why in the book of Acts did things work so well? I mean, so many churches have tried to do this over and over and over again. People have tried to replicate what's happened in the book of Acts. And even at Salt Churches, we've looked at, okay, they met in homes, they met in small groups, they, you know, they had the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to look and dig a little bit deeper today and talk about why they did what they did. Now, I've been reading this book by Simon Sinek, and it's called Start With Why, and it's been a total life changer for me. I'm asking why I do just about everything because I'm wrapped up in this book right now, but why is the biggest reason things change? Why is the biggest motivator in people's lives? Whether you know it or not, whether whether or not you think so, why you do something is the biggest thing that's going to get you motivated to stay at a job, to leave a job, to stay in a relationship, to leave a relationship, to follow Jesus or to not follow Jesus. You have to know why. Why am I doing this? And we are the only species on earth that actually asks that question. And I want to take a look at the book of Acts because it was so unbelievable what these guys did. There were 120 people in an upper room locked in because they were scared. And after a few years, 50 or 60 years, they had turned an entire empire upside down, the whole known world to them at the time. And so many people were following Jesus that it literally shifted the culture of the Roman Empire that had been around for hundreds of years already. Now, we always talk about what they did. We talk a lot about what the apostles did at the very beginning. We know the speech that Peter gave right after the day of Pentecost and 5,000 people got saved. They were cut to the heart, right? And they said, what should we do, Peter? What should we do to be saved? And they decided to get baptized and repent that day and begin to follow Jesus. And it says 5,000 men were added to their number. Now they're counting men back then, but that doesn't even count their households, the women and the children that would begin to follow Jesus after that day. But why? Why did the apostles do this? I mean, 11 of the 12 of them. I mean, one killed himself because he betrayed Jesus. Let's be honest with that one. But the other guys went all over the world and preached the gospel. And 10 of them were killed. A couple of them crucified. Some boiled in oil. And John, the only one that survived, was sent out to an island to live out his days just dying as an old man because he was causing so much trouble. But they couldn't figure out a way to kill him. So why did they do what they did? And I think this is so interesting. I think the Jesus revolution itself is so interesting. Why did it work so well? Because we've tried to replicate this. We've tried to replicate this on so many levels. We've tried in a million different ways as the church in the 20th and 21st century to say, oh, look at the book of Acts. Look what they did. Why aren't we turning everything upside down? Why aren't we turning this nation that we live in, the United States, or wherever you are right now, why isn't Western civilization turned on its head by the belief in Jesus? And I think one of the biggest reasons is we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. Why do we go to church on Sunday? Ask yourself that question. Why? Why do we why do we have 40-minute messages or 30-minute messages? Why do we worship in four-song sets? Why do we give an offering? Why? And not saying these things are inherently wrong or bad, did you, but do you know why you're doing them? Do you know why you take communion? What's the point 
of communion. I mean, these guys at Pentecost turned around immediately, 5,000 of them, and started to follow Jesus. I want something like that. I want to believe something like that. And I think the world needs something like that. They need a why. They need something bigger than themselves to believe in. And I think these original guys, these original guys didn't do it because they needed to form a new religion. They didn't have some obscure philosophy or belief that didn't affect their lives. They walked with a man for three years that was dead, and then he was alive all of a sudden. They really believed that he was gone. That's why they were hiding. That's why they were afraid. That's why they had the doors locked. They really believed that Jesus was gone for good. And Jesus overthrows a system of death and replaces it with a system of life. Think about everything you see around you in the world right now. Think about war. Think about plague. Think about famine. Think about hungry people. Think about abortion rates in the United States. Think about the way people behave towards one another just because of an election. Think about the way we treat one another. It's all in wrapped up in a system of death, pointing the finger, trying to tear people down, showing a way that only leads to destruction. But Jesus overthrows that. And that's the why. That's the point. Because everything that we had before was death. We sometimes as Christians need to remember what it was like to get saved. So why would you follow Jesus? Because he's actually alive. Why would you read your Bible? Because he's alive and the word comes alive when it's acted upon. Why be a part of a group of believers that you meet with on a consistent basis that you commit to, that you love, that you sacrifice for, that you share your money, your time, your life with? Because Jesus is alive. Why be baptized? Because he's alive. Why share the gospel with everyone you possibly can? Because he's alive. Why be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus is really alive and that same spirit that lived in him can live in you to change the world around you. That's the insane part of this whole thing. No other claim is made by any other religion that we have a living savior that died. Think of a God. Think of a God for just a second that dies for you. A God that hung on a cross. What explanation will you have for him when you die and you stand before him? What kind of explanation will we have What kind of why will you have while you live on this life? Now, one of the things that, or two of the things that we really focus on at Salt Church is salvation and discipleship. We just want to get good at those two things, salvation and discipleship. And what I mean by salvation is a whole life of salvation, actually stepping into the kingdom of God. And what I mean by discipleship is linked inextricably with that salvation. And that is following Jesus on a daily basis to the point where you actually produce fruit and healthy families grow. That means making more disciples, teaching other people the ways of Jesus, but none none of his teachings actually matter. Nothing actually matters about him unless he rose from the grave. Even Paul the Apostle says that. Our faith is worthless if Jesus is dead. What's the point? We don't have a Jesus that's still hanging on a cross. And you see in the New Testament, they constantly preach that Jesus is alive. They constantly talk about how Jesus is alive because what is the point of having somebody in your life that is dead. Because the thing the thing is, we keep trying to prove that Jesus is around. 
with whatever we do, with systems of religion or things that we show up to or gather together or a show, or we sit in rows and listen to somebody that's excited about him. But the thing is about living people is they tend to turn up. They tend to actually show up to meetings, to gatherings. Now, we need to take a close look at our meetings and at our gatherings and at even our our daily life. Is Jesus showing up in your work? Is Jesus turning up in everything that you do? Is Jesus showing up in your family life? Is Jesus showing up in your time with him? Or are you just reading and just journaling and just praying? Or is Jesus involved in that in a way where you can tell that you are dealing with a living Savior? And the thing is with a living Savior is there are real consequences to a living Savior. Not just good consequences, but possibly negative ones too if we ignore him. So we need to step into the reality as churches, as people, as as just followers of Jesus that he's alive on a daily basis. A living Jesus is our reason. In order to perpetuate his revolution, the fact that he revolutionize the world with a new way of teaching, a new way of living. You become the greatest by becoming the lowest, that the smallest character can make the biggest eternal difference. His life is not just an idea that's short of your reality. If you, if you fall short of that reality, you start to manipulate people into programs, routines, ritual, and argument. Because when the why is gone, there's only manipulation left. Here's a few examples. All you have to do is say a prayer. That's a cost reduction. That's a classic marketing technique. Pray this prayer and you'll be rich. Aspirations. That's that's leaning towards people's aspirations. Don't worry, you'll be wealthy someday if you just pray enough. Read your Bible and you'll be a better person. That's another aspiration. Everyone wants to be a better person, but you need to be reborn into the life of Jesus to become quote unquote, a better person, but really you need to become a completely different person. If you don't come to this, you'll get a phone call or a text that's using fear. Oh, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on this and listen to this new song or podcast. That's just a novelty. And we have a guest speaker today. That's another thing that people use to gather promotion. Now, these things aren't inherently wrong, but what's the why behind each of them? Tell me the last time you watched an Apple commercial, the last Apple TV or Apple commercial that you saw on TV, or the last Apple ad that you saw on Facebook or Google. They don't need to advertise to you because their why is strong enough. And if our why is strong enough in our daily lives, if we really believe that Jesus is alive and that is truly our why in every single little thing that we do, do we really need to advertise that much? Do we really need to pull teeth to get people to show up? If Jesus is there, the crowds will come. Really, in the New Testament, you see so often Jesus and his disciples trying to escape crowds. They're trying to get away. And even, even when they try to get away, they get found by the crowds. Anywhere Jesus is, people tend to turn up because he's not only interesting and a character that can't even be described. He's far more human than we could ever be or possibly imagine. But when God turns up somewhere and he is who he is and makes no apologies for it, people are going to show up. You can hear like my son in the background, like squealing and screaming right now. And I think that's one of the main things that is so incredible about kids. And that's why I think Jesus says, 
enter into the kingdom as a child, we have to, as followers of Jesus, come from a perspective of not just not just doing what we do for the sake of doing it, but the reason people love kids is because there's no guile in them. They're not pretending. They're not faking something. They just are who they are. And that was the incredible thing about Jesus. They're going to say it like it is. He said it like it is. They're going to be who they are. He was who he was until they get told to be socially shamed or find a difficult situation where they need to act in a different way and not be who they are to get through or to survive. And I think each of you listening to this podcast right now, really process in your heart why you're doing what you're doing. And I think it'll remove a lot of the fear when it comes to so-called evangelism, when it comes to reaching the lost. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, you'll be reaching the lost. When it comes to making disciples, find your why. You don't just make disciples to make disciples, and you don't just do things because he said so. Listen to the entire verse of the Great Commission. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Somebody that sees a living Jesus standing in front of them, asking them to do that, would be smart to listen exactly to what he's saying. Every portion, every bit, every part of what he has to say. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them all I command you to do. Command you to do. And then the last part is, and I'm with you always, even to the end. So basically what Jesus is saying is that you don't have anything to be afraid of because he's with you until the end of time. And not just the end of time, until forever. He's basically saying forever, ever, that I'm with you. It's a, it's a Greek word that's hard to describe or an Aramaic word that's hard to describe in English. But he's saying that he's with you through all of this. And what does Jesus come alongside? He comes alongside the Great Commission. And that's where the revolution really starts. When he sends out his disciples with the same authority that he has to make disciples and to teach people how to live like him. And I want to challenge you today, find whatever your why is. Find out whatever that is for making disciples, for seeing people saved. Remember what it was like to be saved yourself. Find that why for yourself. Find out why you're following Jesus in the first place. Why are you doing the things that you do? And I think if we can find that, we can actually set the world on fire. We can turn things upside down as a church. But right now, it's hard to find people that know why they're doing what they're doing, except for they're maybe getting something out of it. Maybe there's some small payoff. Maybe they were raised as Christians. Those aren't good enough reasons to change the world. You can't sell somebody on something when you tell them, hey, I was raised as a Christian and this has been really nice for me. What has Jesus, a living Jesus, actually done in your life? Now, every single thing we do should be about the fact that Jesus is actually alive on a daily basis. He's actually alive. And reminding yourself of that fact is really important. If you need to write it down, that's awesome. But there's no other religion on earth with a, with a Savior that actually died for you and is alive on a daily basis. And not, not just alive, but gives us that same life through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that lives in us to do greater things than He ever did. That's what the Bible says, not me. Greater things greater things than he ever did. He promises us that we have that. Now, if we don't have that, we need to, and I am examining my life to see why am I not doing greater things than Jesus did? I mean, what's greater than raising somebody from the dead? 
What's greater than that? Like process that for a minute. What's greater than raising someone from the dead? Maybe like raising a hundred people from the dead, or I don't really know what to say, but the, the reality is that Jesus tells us to go and make disciples and teach people what he taught his original 12, his original 120. And he doesn't just leave us hanging. He doesn't just say, go do this and do this by the sweat of your brow, which is the curse. He says, do it by grace because grace is power. It's not an excuse to step out of the game. He gives us the ability to make disciples. And I found that Almost every time I've tried really hard to make disciples or worked really hard to make disciples without him and tried to prove something to Jesus, the fruit hasn't been good. The outcome hasn't been good. But every time I've prayed about it, thought about it, and and really realized that Jesus was the point of the conversation, it's worked out far, far better. So process that today or whenever you listen to this thing, process it for a week. Just every morning you wake up, over the next week, just say, why am I following Jesus? Today, why am I following Jesus? And if you can find that, I think you can find a key to not only revolutionizing your own life, but continuing the revolution that Jesus started that turned the world upside down in the first place. That's all I've got to say today, but thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave a comment, leave a review for us on iTunes. That helps us a lot. And if you're more interested in stuff that has to do with Salt Churches, find us online at saltchurches.com. You can find our blog posts there. You can find all kinds of good stuff there. But thanks so much for listening today.